This is Critical Nonsense, our high lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, I ask Joey about correcting people. Guilty. Friday, Friday, Friday. This is what a Joey sounds like. And this is what an executive producer and many hit wonder Jess Vander sounds like. Hi, this is Jess. I do believe you just did a mashup of Rebecca Black's Friday and Justin Bieber's baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't know I had such talents. <laughs> Look at you. Uh I mean, you know, when you have the gifts, it's important to lean into them. You've got the gifts. You've got the gifts. Side note, Becky has been rewatching Grey's Anatomy again, which she told me at the beginning. I mean, putting her on blast. I don't know how many times. It's like just like a thing that she goes goes back to occasionally. And before she started this time, she's like, just FYI, I'm going back. Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, good luck. And uh, she was watching yesterday and there was a musical episode that they had done at some point that was like, you know, it, as she said, every show that lasts long enough has to do a, a musical episode. And I was like, is this show just to demonstrate how many double threat talents they have on the show like was Mm. that the goal like where they're just like just so you know (laughs) we're good Uh, yeah Grey's Anatomy is good it's good I mean it's not but it is she also told me (laughs) recently I can't remember if she I think she said she cried the hardest she's ever cried in her entire life when Derek died. <laughs> Whoa, spoiler alert. Oh, Joey, come on. I mean, sorry Huge for our listeners. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but then he came back to life. So. Okay. Well. Or did he? Um, <laughs> Jess, what do you got for us? Uh, given our house is clear, I will bring to you a single ponderance that has been knocking at my brain's door. Um, I have been always maybe plagued by this issue, but have been thinking about it in the last week, particularly because of a few different instances where... I know that someone has pronounced a word incorrectly. And I have tried to decide whether it is in my interest to correct them or genuinely their interest to correct them. As you know, I have many pet peeves. And it could very (laughs) plausibly be my own. Um, It's also a question that is so much more than just is this, you know, is someone, someone's pronunciation of a word, like that could be, you know, brought by so many different reasons, uh, brought about by so many different reasons, like what language they 
speak as their first language. It could be like where they first heard that language, like where that word, like maybe they were taught it by somebody else uh, a certain way. Maybe they read it a certain way. And it's kind of complicated. And yet in this work where precision of language can be extremely important, um, brand and strategy and articulating what you say and infusing meaning into little words. I don't know. It's kind of important. And so I come to you with this question. When is it okay to correct someone? First of all, I, as you were talking, came up with the word vandalism, uh, which I think is <laughs> Jess Vander's feelings about vandalism of the English language. Wow. Which you have strong opinions. Strong so maybe we have a recurring, <laughs> we have a recurring because, segment called vandalism. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. That's a nice way, like a nice punchy way of just saying, Jess, you're a pedant. And you are <laughs> grappling with that, that issue. Um. Uh, but, but this is all, you also just did one, which is great. <laughs> you said pedant, but some Pet people aunt. say pedant. Oh, yeah. Well, what's, I mean, I, part of it, this, part of, go, go ahead. I'm, I'm like, I, I can't actually read the phonetic alphabet, so I don't know how to tell the appropriate pronunciation in looking up the word, so. Well, uh, this, what's kind of interesting is I think there is a, there's for sure an element of this um, that is tied to a nerddom, and it actually was the subject matter of a um, comedy show that I went to, where uh, the comedy show was based on nerd debates. And the debate premise was like, is it good for the world that we have like specific words for things like on net? Should those words exist? And the few examples that they gave were like aglet for the end of a shoelace or like droop, which is a single one of the orbs on berries such as blackberries. Like that is of the mm -hmm. droop family. And that would be like a drooplet. Um Tittle, which is the dot over an I or a J, uh, that has a, that's a, that technically has a name. Um, and the last one is like punt, which is that little at the bottom of a, a bottle or a glass. And it was and like the premise was like, is this good for the world? And the argument for the nerds was like, yes, it adds specificity. Like there there is an origin to this. It maybe is delightful and whimsical. And the uh, the opposing argument is like. That's an asshole maneuver. You're being exclusionary. <laughs> like you're creating excess complexity. Um, folks for whom English is not their first language, like you're, it's almost a test of whether you can, you know, add even more dumb, nuanced things. And uh, so I grapple with this personally because I'm like, oh no, is this just like part of, you know, my sense of overinflated ego that I'm like, ah, look at these words that I know, but actually is not adding value to other people? Or is there some kind of breaking point wherein actually correcting somebody on a common word or like something that is much more used might genuinely benefit them and it's not just me being a jerk? I mean, this is, I mean, 
this is disagreeable giverness, right? Like that's what this this is is like it, correcting someone is disagreeable, right? right? And like that's the the sort of inhibitor to if you are someone who is highly agreeable and you know isn't prioritizing those things, right? Tends to be like people who are non-technical for whatever reason, right? Like right. nerddom is technical, yep. right? Like that is a part of it. There is a like, whether you're, you know, in love with like the Marvel verse or, uh, you know, remote control cars or, <laughs> you know, science fiction or whatever, like there is, it is a demonstration of love to have a bounty of knowledge about something. It's like that Japanese concept of otaku, like uh, more than a hobby, less than an obsession, but like bordering mm-hmm. right on right on the edge. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I think it the the issue is like when it gets like statusy and gatekeeping that, right? Like, oh you're you know, this happens in like NBA fandom, right? Where the term mm-hmm. casual gets used as a pejorative among and and it 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 expanded out but i think it started in nba fandom where they're like oh you're just a casual you don't actually like watch basketball or like oh right. that's a casual opinion like actually this person is way better than the other person we're in like subjective debates like things that don't actually have like a right or wrong answer but they're like oh you're just a casual and so mm-hmm. those things are like statusy like in this instance in like a one-on-one scenario like if it if it is more important to you that the person is right than that like you're not offering them something that you think would be a value not a good idea but like if it's it is a thing that is like important or you are concerned that they'll be perceived as naive or uninformed or inexpert in some context because of like a thing that is in reality, like not significantly important of like a mispronunciation of a term, but you know, people focus on unimportant things all the time. Like this conversation is, is like sort of that, right? Totally. And also, you know, like the things that we collectively have tolerances for, like what is tech, like the importance of whatever is technically correct can shift and also depends on certain subject matter. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that's partially why I bring this up because in the context of our work specifically, it's interesting that even by industry, it can matter how, how you use language. Um, It's actually, you know, a, a primary skill I would say in, in this field to be able to wield it when the, the time calls for it. Um, and it's and it's then interesting, or at least you can have the sort of objective guise of <laughs> I'm not just being uh, critical. I am trying to, you know, help you with the skill that will advance you in this in this field. Um, that said, I you know I, I have to balance that with my own personal proclivities and be like, oh, I should also check myself to make sure that that is where my motivation comes from well it's also in you know we spoke at some point i think about the the book that had come out 
called um, Like Actually Dude, uh, which was written by a linguist. Uh, I can't remember her name. We can look it up. But the the nature of the book is just about how language evolves perpetually over time. In those instances, uh, in the title, Like Actually and Dude are covered in the book uh, along with other things. But it was those words meant entirely different things. And over time, the actual definition of the word evolved, not even just the pronunciation, but that as well. And so there is this nature in what you're talking about. There is a, there's a conservative instinct and a progressive instinct, not totally. in the political sense, right? But it is like, mm-hmm the orientation towards conservation of a thing that you find important. Yes. Right. This is why in like otaku based subjects like Marvel comics, for example, if the, the writers of the movies do not hold closely enough or honor enough or put Easter eggs into the films for the people who have a conservation type mindset because they love the thing as it was. Yes. Then they will lose those people. But the other people like don't really care. They're just like, oh, it's a fun movie. Even if they read the comics, like they're they're like, sure, like make a new story. I don't care. Like I like stories. And so if you, you know, in the same way, like if I said something, you like baking as an example, right? Like if I brought up a thing about baking and like said something inaccurate, you're like baking is important, but you don't care about sports. So if I said like a thing that was like, you knew was inaccurate about sports. You're like, whatever. Yeah, we're calling it a double touch right. now. <laughs> right. Uh, basically, that uh, it personally may not even matter to me how correct it is because we're playing loser here. I think that idea of um, not the political scale of uh, conservatism and what I suppose liberalism, but the sort of progressivism. Yeah, progressivism. Sure. Uh, how that applies here is is so spot on um and also underlies sort of like um you know how you're like ass- assessing a certain situation is like is this uh is this my own sort of motivation showing or in the context of what is like valuable correctness words it's funny too because I think that some um some of that conservatism might look like oh I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to make all sorts of things you know I'm tr- I'm trying to make sure that other people know that I know what is the correct thing uh and it's funny cuz there are also many occasions where it's like well I'm actually more concerned that you other person will encounter someone else who thinks that way and whether that is a noble cause or not are did you are you are you demonstrating altruistic pedantry this is the question i think it actually relates to even uh, emerging parenting styles where wherein to recognize reconcile the cognitive dissonance between like i'm trying to let my kid like do whatever they want but also like i do want to be able to take them to a restaurant and at that restaurant fit into the social mores of society today so that 
other people don't judge me. So I need my kid to be capable of doing the dance, even if I don't personally believe that this is fair. So here's, here's one, here's an instance. I learned that auditorily as mores, social mores. And you just said mores. So I don't actually know what the right answer is, but there's one. Uh, no, but I think like that, per- that permissive, like where, where do you want to be permissive for intention versus, uh, and like parenting is a really good example. Like what are the important things? Like you let your kids get away with a lot of things, but you set like some threshold where it is or isn't okay. Uh, and like restaurant behavior as an example, right? Like to like my wife, Becky is like pretty permissive with Emerson around a lot of things, but like restaurants are important to her. And so it is like the least permissive environment that she exists in with our daughter is like restaurants. (laughs) It was like, no, you behave appropriately in restaurants. It's not even like public spaces. Like that's not even the thing. It's not like she like enforces a thing on the subways or, you know, in a store or whatever it is like, restaurants are special to her and so there's a way to act in a restaurant yeah but and it's interesting to to balance that with one's own personal values and preferences and like what things matter to you but also just what uh an, an awareness of a certain group or place or community like what that group cares about and if you have the preparedness to navigate that at will i mean that's the other thing is like can you just turn it on if you had to can you just turn it on and you know even if you don't really care um i also besides all of this which thank you for making my swirl sound smart you have many more clear thoughts about it than i um i think there are other parts that are really just fun Almost like um, there is this phenomenon that I now call Ryaning, where Ryan will go over to somebody's home and lean in to the host and say, did you know that there is a little plastic film on top of your microwave and you can just peel that off? And they'll be like, no, what are you talking about? My microwave is just like falling apart. It just looks like that. I'll be like, watch this. And as with a magic trick, Will like peel off this little plastic corner and reveal that that sort of like peeling phenomenon where the buttons are is not a, in, in fact a defect of the microwave it's that there is a protective film that just hasn't been removed that was sort of just wearing away by use of the microwave and the people will be like oh my goodness that's amazing <laughs> I do you restored my microwave <laughs> there's a little bit there's a little bit of that selfishly in this too of like get ready to have your mind blown you had no idea what i'm about to reveal to you yeah it's also like knowing your audience like in this sort of narrow set of things you're talking about like if you tell me that like i mispronounced something like we will have like a playful banter but you would know that i would also value that like exchange right both in 
like the playfulness of the exchange, but also in the sort of substance of it versus right. like, you know, will other people appreciate those things? Like you, it certainly is also case by case in understanding does someone sit within the, that the sort of similar mindset in a particular, particular subject area that you sit in which is it like ooh, but also if they're too close to where you sit in that thing like if one marvel nerd <laughs> says to another marvel nerd like corrects them on a thing then it's a status exchange versus mm-hmm. like a value exchange mm-hmm. but if you're a little bit further away then it can be a value exchange but if you're too far Right. Then it's now, pedantry. Now it's just like, oh, let me one up you and show that I actually know slightly more than you do about this. Look at me. Uh, Precision like think, propinquity. Yeah, precisely. I, I will say fun things. One fun thing that I learned recently after following the Merriam-Webster social account, which is... Truly, uh, how many comments they have received where someone is like, wow, whoever runs this account should get a raise because they are producing incredible, like, word content. Um, It's true. Uh, But one of the things that they shared recently, which maybe uh, no one else cares about, but I thought was really cool, and I can just enjoy for myself for no status reasoning at all, because I had never known this, but after they said it made a lot of sense, is that many words in the English language um, can be converted from a noun to a verb depending on where the emphasis is put. Uh, so take a word like contrast, the noun, the emphasis is on the first syllable. But if you put the emphasis on the second syllable, contrast, you've now got a verb. And that's the action version, even though it's the exact same word. And I was like, wow, it's so powerful. I can, I can do with this knowledge, just think of all the things that I can, I can imagine all of the different words I can attempt to use and maybe use incorrectly. And then someone can correct me later. And then we begin this cycle. But isn't this, didn't that just blow your mind? Didn't I just microwave peel your mind right then? That's it. I'm, I was trying to think about whether I think we spoke about this at some point of like the, the constructs of like when we talked about like the order of adjectives that there is like an in, like built in order that we all agree on is a right way to do it that none of us know the rule. Do you remember when we spoke about that? And I was like, is this one of those where I know that through practice, but, but I'm unaware of it or do I do it wrong? Cause I think I would still say like, no, I, I would say, I think I would say, pronounce it differently in that verb contract. Like, I don't know if I would. Oh, man, anyways, sorry. Really I, yeah, I think you put go. me into. <laughs> but there, like, to this point, right, there, you were, you were in a place where you obviously agree that Merriam-Webster knows more about words than you do. So you had a an appropriate level of like propinquity to expertise so that you Mm -hmm. felt like they could give it to you and it would be a value add versus right. Yeah. But the, there are other places where it's like you watch, uh, I know you watched like Seth Meyers, like 
on YouTube at some, or you mentioned it at some point, like his monologues or something, right? Uh, when Trevor Noah was on, I did watch a lot of The Daily Show. Maybe that's what. Uh, well, Seth, Seth Meyers has the, like a segment called Closer Look. It gets a, a ton of uh, views on YouTube. Have definitely seen it. Yeah. People that, yeah. yeah. But he then does, uh, at the end of the week on Fridays when he doesn't, he has like the four days a week of a show. On Fridays, he does a YouTube only show called Corrections. And it is just the people in the YouTube comments that have been correcting him on things all week. Uh, he goes back and addresses them. Yeah. But then it turned into it like a self-perpetuating thing where they're now called the Jackals. And they they correct, they're like perpetually looking for things to correct him on that are intentionally, so that in many cases, there. pedantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 To make and their so way in. It's like feeding feeding the monster of this thing where like like-minded people can do it. But then they in this instance, it became like he likes it, he plays along with them, makes fun of them, but it's like they're his people type of it. It anyways, that's more just on the side of an interesting place where like th you can be this type of person broadly and they're like Oh, yes. Hello, fellow jackal. He said this, but actually the weight of silver would mean that, you know, like. Uh, <sighs> I, I would recommend terrible. watching the corrections because I think you would appreciate, <laughs> appreciate I would it. I like it. Um, well, that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the thing is both <sighs> recognizing the toxic impulse in myself and being able to appreciate like being able to laugh at it and appreciate that like, yeah, at times there's value and at, the, at other times it's just very ridiculous and um, aren't we so annoying? <laughs> we, the pedants among us. <laughs> do, you, do you think that there's, like I'll just ask this open-ended because I was thinking about, I mentioned before like people people versus thing people. Do you think there's a gender split in this like type of actually person actually behavior? Uh it's very interesting. I I am certain it matters more about the gender split of whatever the subject matter is and those that care a lot mm. about it and have the passion so that they want to be the ones to correct you. The, the one example like that comes to mind for my interests is um, the now infamous New York Times cooking comments sections, wherein people are constantly saying so horrible that it is hilarious corrections to the recipes sometimes actually rooted in their own ignorance rather than in actually being useful. They'll be like, it said to do this and everyone else piles on after being like, no, it did not. <laughs> you just yeah. definitely read yeah. it wrong. Um, that was, that, that was a reading comprehension issue. Yeah. But that I, well, and even that I'm trying to think is that like, I, I, you'd only be able to sort of guess gender based on people's usernames. Um, so I'm not yeah. even sure I have a good handle on that, but I, I certainly, I can imagine that there's sort of the, the throng of, of people eager to finger wag in any, in any space. And certainly that you, you can find some gems in that gold mine. 
Yeah, I was just thinking about that, like some of that economics research that was saying there's like a 70-30 split, men and women between people, people and thing people, like men are more likely to be thing people, but not exclusively and then the opposite. So I was just like, are are we just saying thing people are the actuallys? But it doesn't sound like that's the case. All right, well, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, I think you have done so much to help turn my jumble into a considered, (laughs) a thoughtful and considered way of breaking down when to correct someone, when ideally you're adding value and the relationship between the two of you and the sort of space and the context around which you're being, you're offering a correction uh, is actually the thing, whereas spaces that are um, more driven by status or a subjective opinion that you're bringing or your own personal desire to um, prove to your own self that you knew a thing, um, that is when you are correcting someone not to offer a correction, but to um, foist it upon uh, someone who maybe doesn't deserve that and maybe it's actually your own fault and you're the problem um, and by you I mean me so um, for all intents and purposes I'd like to say that we have covered the ground here and I'm going to um, I'm going to cogitate on this very good smile <laughs> words 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 I thought it was pronounced Jumble. It's not Jumble? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right. All right. Well, we did it. Critical Nonsense is a Sylvain production. As always, we'd like to thank our executive producer and chief pedant, Jess Vander. We'd like to thank our recording help and sound engineer and suggester or suggester unclear Alex Contel. we'd like to thank our programming coordinator and man who is always right about grammar Les Jacobs uh, we'd like to thank Nora Mestrich and Sarah Gilbert for everything that they do and the fact that they're actually never right I know tough tough news uh, and as always thanks Alain and special thanks to Miriam and Webster, whoever they are. I don't know a lot about them, but, you know, thanks for taking the time for making those dictionaries or merging those dictionaries if you had different ones. Appreciative of your work. Unless, of course, you were not good people, in which case I would say, actually, no thank you, Miriam and Webster. Uh, and with that... Love you, mean it. Bye. Okay, we're in business.